today's sermon is entitled Wine and a Broken Belt. Wine and a Broken Belt. The Casualties of Not Listening. The Casualties of Not Listening. We'll be looking at two passages today. Uh, there's quite a bit of reading, but I think it will be beneficial. We'll be in Jeremiah 35 and we'll be in Jeremiah 13 verses 1 through 11. So get your Bibles. Uh, it will be on the screen, but if you want to follow along uh, in your Bible, that will be great as well. I want to talk about a glass of wine and a spoiled or damaged or broken belt or loincloth. This sermon is about not listening, casualties of not listening. Today's message is really about <clears throat> those people who don't listen. And by those people, I mean you and me. Its buttresses are the wine and the belt that support this core argument. So hear me when I say the core of this message is about not listening. But the wine and the belt buttress or provide the support for this important argument. So first, let's talk about not listening. Now, I hope you have some notes, your pen out, because this is going to be helpful. When someone isn't listening, it creates frustration. Agree? True? Not true? Of course. There are consequences to not listening. People who don't listen, people who go back and forth in arguments, someone is not listening. But listening must have a point of authority. In other words, when someone listens, it implies that what is being said is both useful and binding and is coming from a place of recognizable authority. Ah. In other words, the reason why we should listen is because we understand that what is being said is valuable to us. And usually things of value to us are said by persons or people that we value and have given a level of authority in our lives for which to speak. Are you tracking? So therefore, listen, what is said creates obligation. <laughs> When people speak or when people are talking, you become obligated when you hear what they say. And the one who is obliged to do what was said will actually be rewarded or receive more privilege. Ah. So let me go back. Let me rewind. Let me rewind it, Cynthia. Little Ben, Deacon of Health. God bless you. When you listen to someone, you're obligated when you hear it. You're, you're, you're obliged to hear it. 
But when you take it a step further and respond to or act upon what was said because you believe what was said was valuable, then you will be rewarded to receive more privilege. Watch this. When my father or my mother told me to do something, I would ask why. I would say, why? And their response would be, because I said so. (laughs) Well, that was the end of that conversation. It was implied, listen, that their authority allowed them to speak and I would act. In other words, I valued my parents' so much and my parents valued their position so much that they recognized the authority they had to speak into my life. And I didn't necessarily have the authority in response to question what they were speaking because I believed that what they were speaking was for my good. Are you tracking? So what they spoke was considered to be best for us assuming that our parents loved us and my parents loved me. So I didn't think my parents were going to say or have me do something that would hurt me. The second aspect of this I want to point out is that talking louder doesn't make people hear you better. Okay? Because we're talking about you're not hearing or you're not listening doesn't have anything to do with the volume. If I'm not listening, you can whisper it, I'm not listening. If you yell it at 200, I'm not listening. So it doesn't matter. Listen, when you are listening to someone, talking louder doesn't help people hear you better. The person who is listening will do or make the effort to make sure they hear you. Sometimes when Joy and I are watching television and it's a show she really likes, she says, honey, turn it up because I want to hear. I'm listening to that. So people often take the wrong turn and say, because I'm the speaker, the onus is on me to yell louder or to do this or that more in order to get you to listen. Well, when the onus is on the person listening to make sure that they communicate, I can't hear you, or am I understanding you? Mm, This is deep. Free counseling session, not charging you $200. The best example of knowing someone has heard you is that they implement or act upon what you have said. In other words, when we see people do what we have said, that is our best way of determining that they heard us. Make sense? If I tell my children to do something and they go and do it correctly, I get that you heard me, that you are listening to me. Now watch this. This is tricky, baby sister. This is tricky because this is one, you know, we all got this one. Repeating what one has said lets them know you heard them mechanically. But in acting what was said communicates you have heard responsibly, comprehensively, understandingly, and emotionally. Because there are a lot of people who say, now let me repeat what you said. And they repeat it, and it don't mean a darn thing. 
Counseling has taught you that. You've heard it from different people. Well, say it back to me. The best way to know that someone has heard you or is listening is that they not only say, this is what you said, but I'm acting out what you said. I am doing out of obedience what you communicated. Tracking? Number three, third aspect of this. God has not created our world, listen, to be nothing more than an exchange of words and thoughts. So in other words, God did not create us to just talk to one another and not do anything with it. God created us in the world to be a world that acts upon a myriad of exchanges of words, thoughts, and dreams. So in other words, God gives us marriages, he gives us friendships, he gives us jobs, he gives us neighbors, he gives us children, so that there is an exchange of words, thoughts, imaginations, and dreams, but that we in turn would act upon those things that are said and articulated. God wants us to hear one another and do something with it. Ah, You're going to miss it. God is not asking us to come to church and just hear what's being said. He's asking us to do something with what's being said. So, When you can only recite back what someone has said, but you cannot do it, effectively, you are not listening. Mm. James 1.22 says it like this. He didn't give us the word to be hearers only, but to be doers also. He said, be not hearers of the word only, but be doers also. That's straight from the Bible, right? So the question remains, here we go, here we go, Shanika, here we go. The question then remains, what is it about life that doesn't allow us to listen to God? What is it about what's happening around us that doesn't recognize his voice, his authority, do we value the things that he speaks? What happens that we can't hear what God is saying? Why is hearing him so difficult? Why must we be punished or corrected so many times before we finally do what he's been asking us to do. Is there anything we can learn from a glass of wine? here, Here come the buttresses. Is there anything we can learn from a glass of wine and a broken belt that can help us hear God and obey him? I feel preachy, Monica. What are the consequences, Joy, of not listening to God? I know you pride yourself in not listening to your mate, your parents, your boss. But what are the consequences of not listening to God? So in today's passages, 
we learn that Jeremiah was a prophet to a people who didn't listen. Even it was so bad, Sharon, it was so bad, Tony, that even Jeremiah called God and said, I'm ready to quit. He was known as the weeping prophet. He was always crying because he was frustrated with prophesying to a people who would not do what he kept when God told me to tell you this, but y'all won't do it. He wanted to quit. And I want you to understand there's nothing worse than trying to help someone who doesn't want to be helped. There's nothing worse than trying to teach someone who already knows it all. God used Jeremiah to communicate to Judah that there would be consequences to their not listening. But consequences occur in order to get us to finally do what we should have done in the first place. That's all consequences are. God allows consequences to our choices because hopefully the consequences make us change our mind. Consequences should be course correctors. I'll say that again. Consequences should be course correctors. Punishment doesn't mean you get out of doing what you were supposed to do. My mother would spank me for not cleaning up my room. And then say, once she's finished spanking me, now go clean up your room. (laughs) The, The spanking did not alleviate my duty to clean my room. The spanking encouraged me. It was supposed to encourage me to make sure I went on to do what I was supposed to do in the first place. So God chastens us or allows trials in order to get us to finally do what he has been instructing us to do for so long. So let's dig into today's text and see what's in the glass of wine and this broken belt or loincloth or apron. God uses a wine offering and an apron, a belt, held up by a belt to prove a point that his own people don't even listen to him. He's going to use a glass of wine and a broken belt to let the world know his own children ain't listening. Let's start. With the wine. Jeremiah 35, we're just going to read it, follow along. It's a story. Pay attention. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak to them and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, son of Habazaniah, and his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of the 
of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, the man of God. Okay, Holy Spiritual, we're in the chamber, which was near the chamber of the officials, which was above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalom, the doorkeeper. Then I set before the men of the house of the Rechabites, here it is, pitchers full of wine. And I gave them red cups. No, no, it didn't say red cups. It didn't say blue cups. Come on now. I gave them pitchers full of wine and cups. And I said to them, drink wine. He's talking to the Rechabites. But they said, watch this. We will not drink wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, you shall not drink wine, you or your sons, forever, period. You shall not build a house, and you shall not sow seed, and you shall not plant a vineyard or own one, but in tents you shall dwell all your days that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he commanded us not to drink wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, or our daughters. We ain't drinking it. Now, let me pause here. Remember, Jeremiah told him, go get the Rechabites, bring them into the chamber, give them wine to drink. The Rechabites said, we gonna obey our father's voice. We ain't drinking wine. Verse nine nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in, and we do not have vineyard or field or seed. We have only dwelt in tents and have obeyed and have done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. In other words, we listened to our daddy. 11, but when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, came up against the land, we said, come and let us go to Jerusalem before the army of the Chaldeans and before the army of the Arameans. So we have dwelt in Jerusalem. So they were on the run and came to dwell in Jerusalem. So they weren't even God's people, but they live in where God's people live and they're chilling. 12. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, here it is. Now here's where it gets dicey. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now he's talking, and I talking to the Rechabites, he's talking to his own people. Will you not receive instruction by listening to my words, declares the Lord? You're not going to listen to me. Verse 14 says, the words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are observed. In other words, the Rechabites are doing what their daddy told them. So they do not drink wine to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. But watch this. But I have spoken to you again and again. God talking to you and me, talking to his people, talking to Judah. I have spoken to you again and again, yet you have not listened to me. He's, he hasn't stopped there. He says, also, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets. I gave you Pastor Cherry. I gave you Bible study. I gave you that person at your job. 
who bring you scriptures every day. He says, I've sent you my servants, the prophets, sending them again and again, saying, turn now every man from his evil way and amend your deeds and do not go after other gods to worship them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your forefathers, but you have not inclined your ear or listen to me. I've sent you people time and time again tell you stop smoking. I've sent you people time and time again tell you stop going out with her. i sent you people time and time again to tell you to get up off your laurels, get back in church. i sent you people, but you have not listened to me. Look at 16. Indeed, the son, all this is based on wine, y'all. It's a glass of wine. They didn't drink the wine. Indeed, the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have observed the command of their father, which he commanded them. But this people has not listened to me. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts. Here comes the consequences. The God of Israel. Behold, I am bringing on Judah and on all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all the disaster that I have pronounced against them because I spoke to them. But they did not listen. And I have called them. But they did not answer. Is God calling you and you are not picking up the phone? Hello? 18. Then Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, this is what he says to the people who obeyed. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab, your father, kept all his commandments and done according to all that he commanded you, Therefore, thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to stand before me always. In other words, there will always be somebody from your tribe and family welcome and have a place before the Lord in, in worship, in his presence. A glass of wine, put me on, a glass of wine pointed out Judah's disobedience. A glass of wine on the table in a cup was a small demonstration to show to Judah if these people obey their earthly fathers so much so that they won't break their command to drink the wine. I'm showing you through a glass of rosé, a glass of Penenois or Stella Rose. You're so busy drinking. Not enough obeying and listening. We'll come back to it. That's the wine. Let's look at the belt. Jeremiah 13, 1 through 11. Thus the Lord said to me, it's a different story. It's earlier. The last chapter was 35. This is 13. It's a little earlier. But listen, thus saith the Lord, thus the Lord said to me, go and buy yourself a linen waistband. There it is. It's a belt. It's a linen cloth. It's an apron that goes around you held up by some belt. Put it around your waist, but do not put it in water. So it's basically in the Old Testament, there's a loin cloth, something to cover up your loins, your, your, your privates, like a skirt or chamois where you wash your car. That's kind of some of the material. It's like a leather. 
And he says, do not put water on it. Don't wash it. If you don't, if you don't, if you put water on a chamois, it softens it so it can flow with you. It can move with you as you walk. But if you don't put water on it, it hardens. So watch this now. He says, get a waistband, put it around your waist, but do not put it in water. Don't wash it. Verse two. So I bought the waistband in accordance with the word of the Lord and put it around my waist. Then the word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, take the waistband that you have bought, which is around your waist and arise, go to the Euphrates and hide it there in a crevice of the wall, rock. In other words, take it off, put it in the rock. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord had commanded me. After many days, that's key. The Lord said to me, arise, go to the Euphrates and take from there the waistband, the belt, which I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and dug and I took the waistband from the place where I'd hidden it. And lo, the waistband was ruined. It was broken. The belt was broken. It was totally worthless. Uh-oh. Wine and the broken belt. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, thus says the Lord, here it is, just so will I destroy the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. Watch this. Why? This wicked people who refuse to listen to my words who walk in the stubbornness of their hearts and have gone after other gods to serve them and to bow down to them. Let them be just like the broken belt, which is totally, say it with me, worthless. Oh my God, have mercy. The consequences, the casualties of not listening. I bet you think twice next time you'd be sitting there listening to somebody, won't you? Hello. Verse 11, final verse. Watch this now. For as the waistband clings to the waist of a man. In other words, like, you know, what what you call them? Pencil skirts? Pencil skirts cling to you. It moves with you, right? Or you get a loose flowing, silky, good material fabric that flows with you. God says, for as the waistband clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole household of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me. In other words, God says, I created you to move when I move. I created you to cling to me. Where I go, you go. When I speak, you obey. Dang. I created you to cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people for renown, for praise and for glory. But, but what they say, Cynthia, what they say, they did not listen. Mm, mm, mm. I'm going to let that sit right there. Check this out. Lessons from the wine room. I'm going to give you this for free. (laughs) Let me put you up on game right here. 
What do we learn from this wine room with the Rechabites and God's people? I want you to understand clearly in Jeremiah 35, there are lessons you can gain from this meeting. You know how we watch behind the gates and you know, the big houses, they have a wine room. They have a wine cellar, not only just where the wine, but they have a place in the room where you can sit down and drink it. This is the big houses, 10,000 square feet or more. You got a place where you can sit down and drink. In other words, God gave them a room with cups and wine and said, here, have this moment. Go get the Rechabites. Bring them into our inner spiritual chambers and offer them wine. The very thing I know they won't drink. Do you get the setup? God said, get the Rechabites. It was a setup. He asked people to come before his people who he knew wouldn't drink the wine. He was making a point. The Bible says they lived nomadic lifestyles. In other words, they didn't have permanent places and domiciles. They didn't build buildings. They lived in tents. They weren't connected. They didn't, the, their father said, you, we don't want you to farm and to sow seed and to, to build houses. I need you to be a nomad. In other words, I need you to go wherever the spirit leads you. I need you to go wherever you're needed to go. And they embarrassed Judah. The Rechabites embarrassed Judah by having loyalty to dead men. The Rechabites were loyal to fathers who've been dead for generations. But Judah couldn't be loyal to a God who was living right now. Dang. Judah was condemned. The Rechabites were rewarded because one listened and the other one didn't. What's the lesson we learn from this? I'm glad you asked, Danielle. I'm about to explain it. Lesson number one. Not listening happens when we think we're better than other people. When you feel like you are so much privileged, so much better than others, you get the notion that you don't have to listen. Mm. You get so familiar with God and you read a few chapters in the Bible and you think you don't have to study anymore. You don't have to listen anymore. But here's what God did to Judah. He purposely brought the Rechabites into the same room with his own people. And the Jews were so elitist in their approach, they missed God's message. I don't know how many times you've come to church thinking, I've heard this before. I don't need to listen. You're wrong. God often pairs us with others whom we can learn from. God, what I'm trying to tell you is God sends people to your lives intentionally to embarrass you or to call you out or to show you how much you really don't know. For all you deep spiritual people out there who can speak in tongues but can't quote five scriptures in English. Yeah, all right. But when we, when we think we're better than others who are outsiders coming in, we miss what they can bring to the table of our lives. And we think just because they didn't 
grow up Baptists or because they didn't go to church. I want you to understand the Rechabites were outsiders. They were people who were not a part of the promises of God. And I'm telling you, just because you saved, you start acting like, you start acting like you're so much better than outsiders. And I'm telling you, God will bring people from the outside to point out that you don't know as much as what you think you know. In other words, the Rechabites were demonstrating greater loyalty to earthly fathers than the people of God were demonstrating to the own living God. So in this case, the Jews were missing the lesson because outsiders came into their spiritual chambers. So in other words, Judah was like, yeah, pour me a drink, pour me a glass, <laughs> pour me one, hit me up again, found me a drinking pot, nah, and they sit up in there throwing them back. And the Rechabites were practicing discipline and saying, we ain't drinking. And they were embarrassing them. Pay attention to what people aren't doing in their lives that could be speaking volumes about you. We as Christians are so quick to point out what people are doing wrong that we miss what they aren't doing, which could be telling uh, about what we need to change. I feel preachy. Lesson number two, got to move fast. Not listening happens when we don't have a cause, a principle, or a belief to live for. The Rechabites lived like they were on a mission. The Rechabites came into the room knowing who they were, knowing their value, and already understanding, oh, I don't drink. You never really had a problem with me ever worrying about getting drunk. You ain't got to worry about driving me home. You ain't got to worry about that. I don't, that ain't my thing. Already know, I'm not walking in saying I'm going to be faded, toe back, and you got to chalk me out on the floor. You ain't got to do that. That's not my thing. So they were nomadic in their approach. The text said they weren't permanent residers. They were nomadic. They didn't make permanent connections. And so, Living with a cause means you are living a certain way because of something. And I, I, I think sometimes we as Christians forget that when you get saved, what you're saying is, I'm giving up my life to live for your cause, God. But it seems stupid when we say, well, God, I need you to finance and, and form my cause. God is not trying to Bless your cause. He's trying to get you to act out. Uh-oh, act out his cause, which you need to listen to. You see, intrinsic value is in abstaining from certain things. Christians brag about, you know, what they don't do, this, that, and the other. But you can't really practice discipline when it comes to hearing what God asks you to do. I was watching Key and Peele, uh, the comedy and they had this scene where they were having a Bible study and they were praying for the Lord to come and they were thanking God and they said, Oh Lord, you're the best. You're the blessing. And all of a sudden God spoke and said, I am God. I am here. I'm answering your prayer. And everybody's and the light came on. And they said, Oh, Oh God is here. God is here. And they all fell on their knees. And then God said, that's what they said. Speak to us, Lord. What do you want to say? God said, sell everything that you have and follow me. Everybody in the room 
Everybody in the room was like, is that God? It just, that ain't. They turned from believing it was God to saying it was a haunted house. Surely that can't be God. Surely God can't be asking me to give up everything to follow him. See, we got this twisted man. We think that God is only speaking to us when he says the stuff we want him to say. Nomadic living means that you live for a cause. You live for something bigger than you. And as long as you are living thinking that you are the only thing that matters and that your house and your money and your car is the point of your existence, you have missed the nomadic lifestyle that the Rechabites are showing to the people that they're disciplined to put away wine, to put away houses, to put away all the stuff that we as Christians, even prosperity gospel has got Christians so duped on things and stuff that you don't have enough faith if you don't drive a Maybach or a Mercedes. What the heck is that? If I I don't have faith because I'm riding a bike to work, that's just insane. I'm telling you, we have been duped in the Western culture to think that spirituality is 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 is, is authenticated by the stuff that we have. The Rechabites were recognized by God, and they didn't have anything that was permanent. Oh God, the Rechabites didn't drink. They didn't own property. They didn't farm, they didn't sow seed, they didn't create permanent situations that would bind them to specific areas. They were nomads. They could come and go when their life required it. And we ought, listen to me, we ought to change, we ought to not drink, we ought to not do things. Listen, we ought to not sin, not just because God says don't, but because we see the value and the benefit of not doing so. In other words, the Rechabites said we don't drink not just because dad said so. We don't drink because it gives us a clearer mind. It helps us move when we need to. In other words, we don't do this because of a cause. You shouldn't sin just because the Bible says don't do it. You shouldn't sin because you should realize that smoking dope and sinning and having sex all over the place is going to catch you a disease or have an unwanted pregnancy or going to get you in a rehab somewhere. You shouldn't do it because you see the value of not doing it. The Rechabites were recognized by God because they saw their lives as valuable. We too could learn from the more simplistic lifestyle that allow us to come and go as God commands. There's a certain level of nomadism needed to facilitate obedience to God. You cannot be tied down to everything in your life and follow God. God moves too fast and he moves too often for you to be locked down to everything that he gives you. We must live like we don't live unto ourselves but unto our higher authority. You've got to live like you're on a mission. Somebody say, I'm living for something bigger than me. The reason some of us don't listen is because our lives are too cluttered and too loud to hear God. And ultimately we deem ourselves our own authority. Look at number three, not listening happens when we consider our voices of authority to be abstract and secondary. Whenever you feel like somebody's voice doesn't matter, you ain't listening. Whenever you feel like God is just a casual sermon that you can hear when you feel like you want to hear it, you know, you ain't listening. Whenever you feel like it don't require me to go to church, I don't need consistent preaching. I don't need Bible study. And whenever you feel like God's voice is not needed, is secondary, is abstract, is just something good. Oh, that was a good word. Whenever you feel like that, 
you're not listening. Not listening happens when we consider our voices of authority to be abstract and secondary. It doesn't drive our lives. In other words, God's voice is not in charge of your life. When you are not listening, God's voice is not the reason you got up today. God's voice is not the reason you picked that job. God's voice is not the reason you married that person. You married her for them hips. You married him for his triceps. You married her for her money. You did not marry her because the voice of God spoke to you. God's voice needs to drive your life, not suggest to your life. God ain't here suggesting, well, I suggest you do this. I, I think it would be, I recommend, like you walk into a store now, the law said, people say, uh, the, the CDC recommends you wear a mask. Ain't it? God ain't recommending you nothing. He's telling you. He's very clear and he's succinct about what he wants you to do. The Rechabites turned down the wine because even though their forefathers had died, they still respected the authority of their ancestors' voices. They could still hear the voice of their fathers and they were dead in the grave. God is alive in your heart and you ain't listening. We belong to our parents and they have rights over us. We should obey. I don't care how old I am. If my mother was alive today and she called me and told me to do something or if she told me to get up off that bed and do whatever, I would listen to her. I don't care how old I was because I respect the authority of her voice. We belong to God and we should respect the authority of his voice. When you hear God speaking to you, you ought to respond. Note that the fathers of the Rechabites were dead and no one reminded them of their disobedience. No one was there to correct them when they weren't, you know, they could have been sipping the wine on the side. Their daddy wouldn't see it. Their dads were dead and gone, but they had an allegiance and an obedience to to their voice even when daddy wasn't looking. And I'm telling you, saints of God, you think you're getting away in the back alley on the side corner. I'm telling you the struggle is real. Ain't nobody talking about people who's struggling but trying to get better. I'm talking about people who trying to cut corners and trying to sneak and do stuff without repentance. I'm telling you, you cannot do it. But Jeremiah 35 said God is prophets. He has leaders who remind his children all the time of how they should live. We got sermons on every website. We got uh, a daily word. We got sermons every week, podcasts everywhere. YouTube is blown up with videos. You got every kind of possibility for God to speak to you. Ain't no reason for you to say, I didn't get a word from God every day, all day. The Rechabites loyalty was impeccable and it was downright embarrassing to Judah. And there are people out there in the world who are more disciplined and more loyal and more faithful than the people of God who have the promises of God. The Rechabites were left a charge and that's it. They were left, their father said, do, don't do this so you can be this. That's all they had was a charge. Well, bless be God, I be dipped. God's people were left with so much more. The text said, I gave you land. I gave you promises. I gave you prophets to come again and again. I told you that I gave you a temple. I said, if you do this, I'll give you land. I'll give you a black. I'll do all this for you. And everything was on a silver platter and still you won't listen. Dang. I said, dang, five times. That's my word today. One writer said it like this. I like this one, Shauna. He said, the Rechabites acted up to the light which they had. In other words, they acted up to the light which they had. In other words, they lived up to the light which they had. We got the light in us and we don't live up to it. 
When your children, write this down, Sharita. Oh, this is a big one. Listen to me. When your children don't listen, your voice has become abstract and secondary to some other source, feeling, or emotion. I'm telling you, when your children no longer listen to you, your voice has lost its authority. When your spouse no longer listens to you, your voice has lost its authority. When people don't listen to you, you have become secondary or abstract, a simple voice of suggestion, not a voice of authority. Lessons from the designer's closet. I got to wrap this up. That was the wine. Here's the belt. And it gets juicy here. Let me talk to you. Uh, what's her name? Pinier? Pinier? Didn't, uh, uh, the wedding dress? Panina. Panina Torreira? Tornay? Salvatore Ferragamo? Uh, Louis Vuitton? Christian Louboutin? I call it Christian Louboutin. Listen. Jeremiah 13, 1 through 11 was a lesson from the designer's closet. This is uh, Ralph Lauren, Versace. All of these people design clothes with a function. You get what I'm saying? You make a belt because the belt's supposed to hold your pants up. But if the belt don't work, your pants going to fall down. So what do we learn? From the designer of our lives. What do we learn from the designer in our closet? God told Jeremiah, go get a loin cloth, a belt, an apron, wrap it around you, but don't wash it. Here again, a setup. God knew what he was saying, just like he did for the Rechabites. Take the loin cloth, hide and conceal it. Buried in the cleft of a rock near the Euphrates. Leave it there for many days. I want it to get hard and brittle. I want it to be broken. Take the cloth away from where it can be used and hide it. Let it go hard, get hard and spoiled. In other words, take it out of the mainstream and put it in the two rocks where it can't be seen. The hiding of the cleft damaged the apron. The hiding broke the belt. Ain't nobody going to see your clothes if it's in the closet with the tag still on it. You buy clothes to wear them. God said, I brought you in as my children to wear you, to cling to me, to be to my praise and to my glory. You are pointless in the closet if you don't get worn. Worthless. It's a worthless Hugo Boss suit if you don't wear it. If you don't listen and do what I say, if you don't go where I tell you to go, if you don't act upon what I do, what I share with you, you are useless. That's what broken means. It cannot be used. God said, just as this belt, just as this loan cloth, cloth was marred by the cleft in the rock, he says, so will I mar the pride of Jerusalem and Judah and they too will be good for nothing. You will be useless by the time I'm done with you. You won't listen? All right then, I'm gonna make sure you ain't good for nothing. 
The girdle was created for his praise to display a people to give his name visibility, but they would not listen. Lesson number one. Let's go real fast. Not listening happens when we don't bathe. Not listening happens when we don't self-treat. Not listening happens when we don't do our personal work, when we don't cover up what exposes our private areas. People who don't listen don't care about how they appear. People don't listen. People who don't listen say, well, that's just me. That's just how I am. I ain't got to listen to you. And your clothes are raggedy. Not listening happens when you don't take the time to personally take care of yourself, to work on you. People who don't do personal work do not listen because they think they are perfect and they're always right. Good listeners are people who are broken. Good listeners are people who have been through stuff and have learned that they are not always right. Good listeners don't expose their private areas. Good listeners know how to cover up. In other words, they've done the work to know how much to share and how much to roll back. But people who don't listen they just keep letting things go unchecked. They put on the they put on the clothes and they just they never wash them. They don't put water on them. That's why the text said, "Don't water it. Don't wash it. Your stuff going to stink after a while." You just keep letting stuff go unchecked. You won't go to the doctor. You won't go to therapy. Over time, you rot. Over time, you become damaged. You have to be put away because you stink. You smell. God's instructions to Jeremiah were to put on the loincloth, the apron, sometimes held up by a belt. And he said, don't wash it. I'm making a point. He says, wear this thing until it stinks. He says, this is what my people are like. They're like aprons walking around that haven't been washed. And he says, at some point, I'm going to tell you, take it off and not go throw it in the washer, but go throw it in the rocks in the cleft so it can be broken. God was giving us a clear demonstration of the beginnings of the once prideful Jews being reduced to good for nothing. Do you know why? Do you know why certain areas of downtown LA reek like urine? Because of lack of bathing for the homeless. If you go in certain areas, it stinks because they don't have washing capabilities. And I'm telling you, if you don't wash yourself in the word and the blood of God, you will reek. And so will our lives reek if we fail to cover our private areas and cleanse ourselves with the word as often as we get chance to not read. Listen to me, to not read your word, to not get a sermon on Sundays or to go to Bible study is to not bathe. Every time you miss a sermon is every time you miss the shower. And for those who brag about going to church every Sunday, listen to me. I go to church every Sunday. Oh, I would say, are you proud of that? Are you proud of bathing once a week? 
Are you proud? I'm telling you, come on, get mad at me. Send me an email here. Send it to me. Send it to me. You want to brag? I'll come on church and I get a word every week. Well, good. You bathe once a week. Ephesians 5 tells us we are washed by the word. The Bible says a husband regenerates. He washes his wife with the words that he speaks. We are washed by the word of God. Why do you think the song says, are you washed in the blood of the, the, have you been to Jesus for that cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? You ain't picked up a Bible to study. You haven't got on your knees to pray and you reek. You reek something fierce. And God's telling all these spiritual designers, all these spiritual Pentecostal, charismatic, Methodist, Presbyterian, whatever it is, you, you're designing cloth. I'm just telling you, you've got to wash people with the word of God. You can't be walking. Move on, PC. Don't God, I'm getting, look at my, my eyebrows frowning up. Number two, not listening happens when you're buried too far away from where life is really happening. Some deep Christians go off and ostracize them. God is saying, you go off to the cliff in two rocks all by yourself where can't nobody see you. Now my point is, can't nobody see your apron and you in the house fasting all by yourself all day, every day? Come out at some point. All I do is go to church. You boring? You spiritual something? Go to the gym. Go to the friend's birthday party. They're going to be playing Snoop Dogg. So what? Get washed. You can be washed again. Don't worry about it. When I go out and play, I get dirty. And I come in the house, I take a shower. In other words, I go outside, I go in the world, I get dirty. Stop saying you ain't going to be clean all the time. Why do you think even Jesus said, his disciples, wash my feet. Wash my feet. Why? Because I got dirty. I've been hanging around sinners. Woo! I feel them now. You become tone deaf to authority. You don't know what authority is because you've been by yourself. People who single too long think that they're always right. It can't always be everybody else every time you brought your 18th relationship in six months. And everybody else is wrong? What's wrong with you? You have become your own authority. You ain't listening to nobody. You become tone deaf to authority because in your casket, your own casket, six feet under, you're the only one boss to yourself. You're the only one in the casket. When you dead spiritually, you're the only one in the casket talking to you. You feel set aside and you figure what difference will listening make anyway. Nobody wants me. Oh, get the violins out and play the few. God instructed Jeremiah to eventually take off the designer belt and go hide it away from where life was happening. And you can keep complaining, talking about nobody wants you or whatever. God put you in the world to live, not to hide. I'll say that again. God put you in the world to live, not to hide. You are his designer's original. He made you specifically with that particular fabric and hue. He put the stitchings in your life and the gifts and the skills in your life to be a display. When you fail to wash, the smell gets so bad, you have to be removed. And some of you are being removed because you won't listen to God. Don't let yourself go so far removed from the things of God that you forget what he even sounds and what he even looks like. Come on, PC. Number three, not listening happens when you walk in the stubbornness of your own heart and make gods of things and other people. 
Whenever you walk in your own stubbornness and you think I'm going to do it my way. My, my oldest daughter, Kenesha, bless her heart. Oh, and her twos. I swear she knew everything. She was smarter than Einstein. That girl, my Lord, have mercy. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. What? You don't even know what you're doing. You haven't even seen it before. I can do it, Daddy. I can do it. Not listening. Not listening is through stubbornness. It's the imaginations. It's what you concoct in your own mind to think that you are living in your own world. In the cleft, you just a piece of apron, a broken belt in between two rocks and it's your world. Some people don't like getting new jobs because they're kings around fools. Oh, wow. Because you're afraid to allow your intelligence to be challenged around other people who are smart like you. So you hang around fools where they think you're a genius. When you're really not, you're a fool of fools. Woo, I'm preaching. That's all right, y'all. I ain't say amen. That's okay. Write me. I said it already. Not listening happens when someone is talking to you and in your mind, you are thinking of how you can respond, defend, or rebut. In other words, when you go into your mind and while people are talking, you're imagining, oh, I can see this, oh, but you didn't call me, but I saw you over there and I saw your text and I did this and I know I know what you were doing. You're not even listening because in your mind, you're already creating these imaginations and you're stubborn to listen, too stubborn to listen to what people have to say. People who don't listen are stubborn and they're set in their ways and you're set in your ways because it's only you in the cleft of the rock. You're a broken belt in between two hard substances that can't do nothing for you. Stubbornness causes you to chase other gods and things because people because people don't agree with your point of view. In other words, you chase down people who agree with you. Pick me. Agree with me. I'll be friends with only people who, who love me. Only talk to you. They celebrate me. But you keep cutting off the people who question you. You cut off people who critique you. You cut off people who speak into your life valuable truths from God because they're not talking to you. This is a mad scramble in life to find a group of people who believe the way you do. I'm going to leave this church because this church, I'm going to go to a church where they're preaching what I want to hear. You, never mind. Stop it, PC. I'm telling you, go to a church where God is speaking to you. Go to a church where it's uncomfortable. Go to a ministry where God is saying something and it doesn't fit with your core. You've got to be challenged. People who don't listen are known for not listening because what is being heard doesn't sound like them. Let me tell you something. Talk about someone positively through the whole meeting. I bet you anytime you call a secretary to set up another meeting, I bet you be the first one they put up. Oh, I like having a meeting with him because they say they talk about me all through the meeting. I'm telling you, get on everybody's calendar. Let me tell you, I ain't booking nobody on my calendar who coming to critique me and tell me everything I did wrong. Those are the people you need. A good leader surrounds himself with people who have different points of view. But you're stubborn. You chase other gods and things that smell like you, look like you. Do you know that when you're in the middle of the same stink, you don't recognize the stink? You need people to come in from the outside and say, oop, you. Oh, I don't smell it. I've been in it. Oh, yeah, you need people to come tell you, come on, get in the, let's go to the shower. <sighs> Number four and the last one. I know you're glad. You want me to stop? I know. <laughs> Number four, not listening happens when we don't know what we are to be used for. 
Ain't nobody listening to the instructions. Nobody, nobody listens. No, no, I'm not listening. If I don't know what the belt is used for, then why are you telling me about the belt? I don't even know what a belt is. I can't even, I'm not even, I don't, I'm not listening to you. Not listening happens when we don't know what we are to be used for. You can't listen for instructions if you don't even know what the instructions are applied to. What are you telling me this for? Haven't you said that? And you're telling me that because, in other words, I, I don't really understand what you're saying because I don't know what you, I don't know what you want to apply it to. If we don't know why, what others are saying even matters then we won't listen to it we don't see its relevance because we don't see the value of our own lives in other words you don't even know your own purpose you don't know your own value so you don't you don't know the difference between somebody who's speaking value to you and somebody who's speaking hell to you you listen to people all day who say all kind of dysfunctional negative toxic stuff to you and you be like oh dude that was some juicy talk you idiot that's beneath your value I'm telling you you've got to surround yourself with people who are able to speak value to you and sometimes when God speaks to you when he speaks value you won't be able to understand it duh that's why you listen listen first assimilate begin to evaluate the facts and get the evidence and then grow into wisdom I preached about that already ready. Don't just shut it down because you're not familiar. Be open to it and analyze it. Get yourself familiar with it, research it, then assimilate it, and then grow in wisdom. God is bringing, let me tell you something, God is not giving you something every day that you already know. What kind of God would do that? Why would I teach my children something that I taught them three years ago? I'm teaching you new material, and you don't know it. When I learned my multiplication, I had to count on my fingers. I had to learn the X. I had to learn division. And I learned chemistry or uh, geometry and, and, and statistics and all the other things. It was new material. It was frustrating. It was hard. But once I studied, once I got into it, I began to form. It began to make sense. And I'm telling you, you the stuff you're listening to and that you can relate to that's toxic and negative for you is too familiar. And the stuff that's being spoken into your life it's too easy for you to gravitate toward. I'm telling you, gravitate toward the difficult. Gravitate toward the thing that makes you challenge. God wants you to hear his voice. The designer God told Jeremiah that he made that loincloth to be worn, to show his name, to display his glory, and to be worn to his praise. But when our minds are empty of understanding, our choice of clothes reflect as such. In other words, we'd wear anything. That's my point. You friend anybody. You marry anybody. It, it don't matter. But when you know who you are, you're more intentional with how you pick jobs and people and things. A person who knows who they are dresses as such. You don't have to tell them to cover up and pin up. In other words, with the apron, nobody got to tell you, cover up your loins. You know who you are. Cover your privates. Their life defines their choices. In other words, I know who I am and I'm going to make choices that reflect that. And the problem with not listening to God is that we don't hear enough about who we really are. Instead, we listen to social media. We listen to others tell all day who we are not. And we're like a belt in between two clefts of a rock. And eventually, because we don't know who we are, we end up being good for nothing, broken, less than, dried out, cracked, 
unworthy, being a person of significance begins with being told who we are by our designer, God. When you have the fashion show and they begin to walk out, you know Tyra Banks, she walk out and, and the designer comes on the fashion show and that's who she's wearing, the chiffon pink with a little bit of silk that is made straight from Italy or to a handcrafted by the such and such God. What? Cat dog. Hey, 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 hey. God starts defining your life when you come on the new job. This is cherry uh, made from the handcraft of God, brought through trials and tribulations, made and sustained through heavy dunking in the water, halfway down there, but he came up. He's still breathing. Look at him now. Put polish on him. Look at his face all shining up. Look at him. Good and healthy. In other words, your designer has created you with such specificity that he and only he. He says, I know the numbers of the hairs on your head. I know how many things. I know everything about you. Not listening to me is to your disadvantage, dummy. I created you. Listen to me. I can tell you the best choices you should make. Not listening makes us good for nothing. Because to live life without instruction is to play God. And there is but one God. And he won't share that title with anyone. And so, God blesses people who listen. Say that with me. God blesses people who listen. Say it one more time. God blesses people who listen. God blesses people who listen. They keep telling you to go to the doctor, but you won't. You won't listen. Your boss keeps trying to show you a new and faster way to do things, but you won't listen. Your parents keep telling you, stop running. Tavio, uh, uh, what's, uh, uh, Starless Sons and all it, Cherry, Whitney, all, all our kids, Tia, Tia, Sydney, all, all our kids. We keep telling, stop running around with those people. They get you in trouble. Get you in trouble. I remember Whitney, Whitney called me one time. She said, she said, Daddy, you always peg them right. You peg, you peg them. You peg them right. Yep, I know because the Lord tells me. Stop hanging with them, but you don't listen. Your spouse keeps trying to tell you something about yourself. Spouse keeps trying to spouse live with you every day. They can see it. They're objective. They keep saying that ain't good for you, but you won't listen. And the list goes on and on. And when are you going to listen? That's my point. When are you going to listen? When are you going to listen? Let me tell you something. God ain't going to yell at you. God is a still, small voice. He speaks quietly and stilly. He ain't going to yell at you. But here's what I want to say. Will you have to be hospitalized before you listen? Will you have to be imprisoned? Will you have to go to prison before you listen? Will you have to, this ain't good English, but will you have to be broken up with before you realize you should have listened to God a long time ago? Don't be like Judah and miss the lesson from the wine room and the designer's closet. Don't be like the belt that was created to bring glory, but instead it brought shame. God wants to use you, and he has instructions, and they start today. If 
you're willing to listen. I'm PC. And that's all I got.